Hi guys, it's Sarah and I'm back here today with another podcast, another chance to shed light on something that I feel needs to be talked about even more. And today's topic and focus is a bit more personal, personal for various reasons, one being that I've been affected by the issue and as well as just quite a touchy subject to talk about. So I'll just put that out there as a little disclaimer to start with. So today's focus is going to be on knife crime especially the knife crime epidemic that is currently occurring here in London. And when I say personal for me, you know, I'm from London, East London. I know people that have lost their lives to knives. I know friends of friends who have lost their lives to knife crime. And it's just a personal touchy issue which needs to be, you know, it needs to be sorted out, like, to speak plainly, it needs to be sorted out. And it's especially frustrating where, you know, this topic, even though I want to shed more light on it, you know, it does get a lot of attention in the media. But I feel the way it's portrayed and talked about is almost from a bird's eye view. It's from people talking about the problem, talking about what's best, how we're going to solve this problem, all from, like, all from looking down at the issue. You know, I'm yet to see someone really get in and have a view on the issue at a kind of ground surface level you know talk to the people who live it every day who see the problems firsthand who have experienced the problems firsthand and could provide a more value valuable insightful critical opinion to the issue rather than just stepping back looking at statistics and just making a move off of that because it's not as black and white as that hence why I decided to dedicate today's discussion on the issue so just to give a bit of background on the issue of knife crime in London right now. 2018 saw the bloodiest in terms of fatalities around or regard caused by knife crime. 135 people lost their lives and there was well over 200 knife crime incidents. And 2019 so far, there's been 30 deaths caused by knife crime and that was that statistic was taken up to the point of the 8th of July and there's been well over 70 knife crime incidents again. So just based off of that, you know, we can see it's a huge problem. And what makes the problem even worse, well, not even worse, you know, in just in general, innocent people are losing their lives to knife crime. Charlotte Hugens died in Camberwell on the 1st of January 2019. 14-year-old Jaden Moody died on January the 8th. You know, a couple of weeks back, a young pregnant mother eight months pregnant was stabbed she died and a day or two later her baby her baby died you know it's absolutely disgusting that this that this is occurring you know there needs to be a real real evaluation on the problem and I know that's easier said than done but what I said earlier that I feel like all the stances being taken on the matter from government, from MPs, from news outlets, it's all very much from a bird's eye view. And I feel like that is one failure. I feel like they're they're failing to listen to us, people that live this, not necessarily live this reality as in they're involved in it, but, you know, have seen firsthand why it happens. You know, they're not taking the time out to really and truly value the public's opinion. You know, this is a democracy you know, our opinion matters just as much as theirs, and I feel like it's being overlooked. So just to start and get into the kind of causes that government or 
people in high authority like to blame or like to, you know, say is the issue for knife crime is things like drill music. Now, recently, quite recently, there's been a lot of discussion about banning certain drill music from the internet, banning certain artists from performing certain songs because it incites violence, you know. Certain groups such as 1011, I know they had them their music removed from YouTube as a result of government, you know, kind of requesting YouTube to do so. And I want to just start off by saying I am in no way saying that their music is, you know, the most positive imagery because it's not. But I will not sit here for one second and say and think it's fair to, you know, put all the blame or put a significant blame of knife crime on music, on drill music. A lot of drill music is just people rapping their reality. And like I said, no, it's not the most positive. But I feel, and I think I'm completely justified to feel, that drill music has no correlation to the rise in knife crime. You know, I certainly don't listen to a song or drill like music and think, oh, he said he's going to pick up a knife and, you know, do whatever. I'm, I'm going to do that. No one in their right mind thinks that. I can't think of anyone. I don't think it's really a normal thing to do. If there is someone that's out there, that, that they are definitely a minority. But I think it's, it's crazy to think that drill music can be the cause for such a huge problem. What the real problem is, and I'll get to that, is the government's failures. So before I even touch on that, you know, the government also likes to pin blame on just, you know, the youth being youth. And this is all my personal opinion from the articles I've read and things I've seen. You know, I feel like the UK government just likes to think that, oh, knife crime, oh, it's just kids wanting to pick up a knife, be bad, etc. And it's not. It is not that black and white. And um, this is, I'm going to keep probably keep repeating that phrase throughout the entirety of this podcast because that is literally how the issue is being treated. It's being treated as a black and white issue that is one kind of way. And that is why we're failing to solve the problem. So when we really look into this um, more deeply, even the even Cressida Dict, the Metropolitan Police Chief, says that police cuts are linked to a significant increase in knife crime. So since 2010, there's been police cuts of around 20,000. So you can imagine with less police there's going to be a massive increase in violence. That is just inevitable. You know, less police, more people are going to, you know, not necessarily want, not want to commit a crime, but essentially, you know, know that they could get away, not get away with it, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know, that pressure and that constant fear of there being a police is slightly eliminated when there's less police on the street. You know, you feel like there's less eyes on you, etc. And the kind of psychological impact of that can be relayed and like can draw parallels to why more people are picking up a knife and committing these horrendous crimes. Not only that, but the youth who are at the forefront of the problem, there is a complete lack of investment going towards youth. Youth services in the last three years have been cut by an average of 40%. The four worst areas for knife crime were hit by the biggest youth service cuts so just based off of that you know you can see the correlation it doesn't take a scientist a rocket scientist to see that all these cuts 
are lending to such or higher increased levels of violence. And this this is what I mean when I say it's aggravating. We can see it's there. The answers are there. Yet why is government... It's like they're almost ignorant to the fact. It's like they don't want to look at that. It's like they just want to scapegoat youth. They want to scapegoat music. They want to do everything they can except except accept blame for the issue themselves and that's why it's so frustrating to listen about so let's just give you a little kind of insight so youth clubs you know a lot of people have their opinions of them but the one thing youth clubs do do is they give kids something to do they keep them preoccupied they give them, you know, help them get into sports, help them just do do things that kids do. They keep them away. They almost act as a deterrent, a repellent from falling into dangerous lifestyles such as the lifestyle that involves nicer. You know what I mean? Like, So when these services are being cut to the point where there's literally none available, what do you expect is going to happen? These kids are going to have nothing left to do. They're going to have so much free time on their hands. And it's not as simple as them going to, you know, oh, there's a knife, then they pick up, pick it up. No, it's not. They're going to be more likely to be drawn into the certain kind of lifestyle that knife crime is kind of affiliated around. So, you know, like gangs, selling drugs, those sorts of things. And with that lifestyle, unfortunately, comes the kind of nature of stabbings and violence. That's the that's the truth. That's the harsh reality. You know, a lot of arguments over territory, a lot of arguments over where certain people are selling drugs, county lines, all these sorts of things are catalysts in knife crime and why knife crime is surging so much. So when we take away things like youth centres that act as an incentive for kids to, you know, do something productive with their time, it's bound that it's bound to happen like this. The negative consequences, the negative ripple effect is bound to occur. And it just astonishes me as to why government are almost kind of... It seems like they're purposely acting oblivious to the fact of that. You know, in my borough, specifically where I live, I can think of one youth club when I was, let's say, in year nine, year eight. Um, I don't know what happened to it. It went absolutely silent. And now, literally, for all my secondary school years and before that, there was never really a youth club the one youth club i was talking about it was there but it was not like the best but i will say the type of people that you would think of first without this causing any offense the type of people you'd think of first who would pick up a knife were the types of people that were at this youth club so it just proves to show that youth clubs were attractive to young people that were least or that that were the most kind of expected almost I don't know what word to use the most likely to want that last thing you know they used them but as I was saying there was no youth club from that point in my borough there's absolutely nothing 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 and I do not live in the most splendid of boroughs and now recently there's been an investment into a youth club that has recently opened and when I tell you Every time I go past it, there is a queue of people outside trying to go in. There is a queue. Now, if that doesn't speak volumes to you, I don't know what does. This is what young people want. This is what young people need. 
it almost seems as if people are just looking at knife crime as like that's what that's what people that's what people think's fun. No, they don't. It's not that. It's almost the sense of being forced into the lifestyle that revolves around it. Like I said, and this is why knife crime is often linked to poverty, because there is a correlation. There is, you know. Coming from low-income backgrounds, one thing that most attract or is most appealing to us is money, you know, and especially the money that could be made from illegal activities such as drug dealing, etc. It's enticing. It's it's extremely tempting, but you know, it takes a weak mind and a strong mind to create the distinction between who falls into that lifestyle and who doesn't. So now when that sort of money is exposed to the more weak-minded people. And when I say weak-minded, I mean the ones that... Not necessarily weak-minded. That was probably the wrong phrase to use. I mean, people that are more desperate. You know, fast money attracts them. And they fall into this lifestyle because it's fast money doing something that may not seem at first instance dangerous, but is definitely dangerous in terms of what can come from it. And that one of the major things that can come from it is being sub- being subject to knife crime. And it's it's not nice to think about, but this is the reality. And another thing that I feel that us young people have been failed with is education. And education, not just on knife crime, along the whole ball in terms of social issues, you know, from sex education, from drug education to knife education, all of it. Me personally in my school, I can think of one time where sex education has been taught to us in secondary school and that's it. Everything else, you know, I hear crickets, like nothing, nothing. So when I talk of education, I mean, you know, educate us on what we should be cautious of and aware of and kind of enlighten us to ways to avoid this because I feel like a little bit of education goes a long way. If you can speak to the young people and get through to them and show them that this lifestyle is not what they want and there's alternative methods around, your problem will be... You know, that that will be the first step to eliminating the problem, more or less. You know, if you're not educating young people, if you're not telling them right from wrong, you know, all this stuff about home training, yes, that plays a big part, but it's, it's a compromise, essentially. You know, a lot of kids are taught one thing at home and then they go out into society where that same thing is not taught to them. It's It's hard. It's... It's just... So I'm just getting a bit, I'm really just, it's, the frustration is coming out. I mean, it's just hard to expect one side of the party to be responsible for everyone's actions. Like, it's a compromise, you know, home training and government responsibility needs to be taken because, like I said, if the government is cutting all these things that are valued by the youth, you know, cuts of, on average 40% in the last three years on youth services, that's insane. That's almost 50%. That's taking away things from young people, taking away things that we love, and clearly we love them because my example of the new youth club that opened, queues around the whole building to get into it because of the facilities it offers. It's fun. It takes our mind away from things, makes us put our time into something productive, forming great hobbies, you know, being good at something. That's what we want. 
And another thing I'd like to touch on for cause of, you know, this knife crime is from kind of schools failing kids. Now, when there's a trouble kid in school, you know, I mean, in my school, you kind of had like a class where these kids would go. And then eventually it gets to a point where if the school would exclude them, exclude them, they'd eventually get to the point of expelling them permanently. And then that kid is kind of left on the back to go to a pru, which is almost like a school where all the kids that have been bad in school get sent to. So, you know, in the nicest way possible, the kids there are constantly surrounded by bad influences, which is each other. Now... That, in my opinion, is not the most effective ideal situation. If you put... It's just, just... Let's forget about that and let's just think about a scenario. If you put a bunch of... Let's say... Let's say a bunch of... Let's say a bunch of just killers, serial killers in a room with each other and one teacher trying to teach them try and be in the key word to teach them, you know, not to, not to, not to kill. What do you think would happen in that sense? Do you think it would be effective? Do you think it would help them change their life? Because I don't. And that's what I think is a fatal flaw in one, in the education system. You know, schools are so easy to give up on students that cause them problems because they don't have the time, they don't have the money, they don't have the resources to invest in these students that are causing them problems. So they'd much rather leave them up to someone else to deal with than them themselves deal with it. And I get it can be hard, but that is just the wrong response. There needs to be a lot more support implemented in schools. And if that comes with the government, then that's what we need. There needs to be a lot more support for teachers when dealing with troubled students to help them, you know, not reform, to help them change their ways, change their mindsets and see that, oh, this isn't the way I should be acting. You know, things like that. Education just... It's so fundamental in this problem, both from home and both from school. And this is what I mean when I say it's a compromise. What we are taught at home, like kind of the principles around what we should and shouldn't do, should be replicated in schools, especially in situations of knife crimes. I'm I'm pretty sure that most parents in this world, they probably don't even have to tell them, but their kids know, you know, knife crime, you know, you don't do that. But that idea needs to be replicated absolutely everywhere young people go. So we kind of infiltrate in their minds because that is essential, in my opinion, into eliminating the problem. And I want to go back to what Cressida Dick said. Um, And that, again, just a reminder, is the Metropolitan Police um, Chief. So she said, police cuts and knife crime are linked. So... If the chief of the Metropolitan Police can identify the link between police cuts and knife crime, why has the government still failed to put more police in the road, in the roads? That is what just astounds me and astounds everyone. It's like the proof is there. So what are we doing about it? You know, we're wasting too much time speculating, debating the issue. It's enough. It's a, I've heard enough, really. 
I've heard enough about, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. I need to see it now. I think everyone wants to see it. From London or not, everyone wants to see it. Because when it's gotten to the point now, if I hear someone else got stabbed, I almost say, I remember one time I said, oh, another one. Like, as if, as if it was something that could just be brushed off. Like, it's coming to, it's becoming, it's coming to a point where I'm becoming, and I know people around me are becoming desensitised to violence, desensitised to the problem. And trust me, that is the last thing we need right now. Desensitisation to violence is not a good thing. And if that's what's starting to occur, we will have a lot to worry about. What the government now needs to do, in my opinion, is listen to the public more, to the people that are from these areas where knife crime is prevailing, where knife crime is dominant. Listen to them, go to them, ask them for opinions on what should be done, rather than taking a bird view kind of stance, an aerial view of the problem. Not only that, but the government needs to stop being so oblivious to the facts. There is a link between police cuts and knife crime. There is a link between youth service cuts and knife crime. There are links everywhere, yet the government is still failing to address this, yet they still want to cut, cut, cut. We can't afford any more cuts, because with cuts, it's just going to spiral out of control. It's going to spiral out of control at this rate, and that is something that no one is prepared for, no one wants. Not only that, but education in schools, you know, teaching us about these problems, making us be more cautious and more, like, aware. Not giving up on kids so easily. Invest in the youth, because that is what is needed. If the problem is from the youth, why would we not invest more in the youth to make sure that this problem is eliminated? And as well, stop scapegoating other people for the issue. You know, the first step to improving something, you know, making a change is accepting kind of your faults and and your wrongdoings. Because without that, we're going to get absolutely nowhere. And I think that is exactly what we're seeing right now. So I could have gotten more deep into this today, but it's one of them things where I feel like I've just become repetitive and I get a bit lost in my words. Sorry if you felt that way. But knife crime in London... It's a joke. You know, in places like Scotland, they've drastically improved their knife crime statistics and rehabilitation, etc. And if they can do it there, why can't they do it here? Why don't we follow what the government there does? Because I'm pretty sure they invested a lot into their youth and services, <laughs> which is exactly what I've been saying we need to do here. So I guess where we'll leave this off is, you know, we've, we know the problem. And government and people in authority need to start going to the people who live and who see these problems day in, day out. It's a part of their reality. And they need to start going to them and asking them, you know, what do you think we should do? Because those are the people that are most likely to have the answers that government is looking for when they want, if they want to tackle this problem as much as they say they do. Because actions speak louder than words and so far they're failing to prove so. So thank you for listening. Like I said, I apologise if I, I got I did get lost in my words a couple of times. I apologise if you felt that way. But this is a very personal topic, a very kind of sticky, iffy, like 
it's something that is just a bit hard to talk about for me and I'm sure a lot of other people. But I hope you enjoyed. I hope it opened your eyes a bit. And, um, yeah, thank you. Until next time, see you guys.